Good morning. Cheers. Salut. Welcome back to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, where I interview the coffee professionals of the West Coast, and I try to help us all get a little coffee smarter in the process. I do that by asking coffee experts, like today's guest, Chris O'Brien, head roaster and founder of Coffee Cycle Roasting, the coffee questions we all want answers to, like, what's the deal with pumpkin spice? But first, I need to ask you for your help. This is the third season of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, and I am going all in on this show. I'd appreciate any assistance you can offer to spread the word. Tell a friend to listen, share the links, or just go support your local coffee roaster and tell them it is because of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. You can also subscribe to the newsletter on roastwestcoast.com to get the show right in your inbox along with all kinds of bonus content, including coffee education, recaps, photos, videos, and more. If you want to multitask while listening today, and let's be honest, we're all checking out five things at once on our phones, go follow at Coffee Cycle Roasting on Instagram so that when I ask Chris what's going on over at the shop, you'll be able to visualize it. It's a pretty cool place. Right now, I actually have a can of Roast Partner Zumbar Coffee and Tea's Hummingbird Cold Brew to keep me motivated for the rest of this episode. And I hope your coffee mugs are full too, because it is time for another Roast West Coast Coffee Interview. Welcome back to the Roast West Coast podcast, season three, Chris. It's season three, which is shocking, uh, I think, to everyone involved, <laughs> which is me and you. <laughs> End of list. There's a few others. So I wanted to start off, we are in the fall season, and I wanted to ask you about what I know is your favorite topic, which is pumpkin spice. Why do people demand pumpkin spice or flavored coffees in general? And when did it become so popular? <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I, I, I wish I was more of an authority on pumpkin spice. I think as far as a, a Coffee Smarter episode goes, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do my best here. But I, I, I don't know if I have quite as much uh, history and detailing and background. So those, those notes you accompany your podcast with might have to flesh it out a bit. <laughs> we can hashtag this one Coffee Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should hashtag a lot of them that way. Uh, well, I will tell you that I had my very first sip of pumpkin spice this season about 20 minutes ago. How is that possible? You've had pumpkin spice in the cafe before. Well, this season. When I first sip, oh, this, this season. season. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, about 20 minutes ago. So I, I feel I, I wasn't sure you were going to ask this question this week. <laughs> this is the only question I want to ask. Oh, well, you know. And it is known by plenty of other names, uh, which I don't think I can repeat on the air. But pumpkin spice is pretty, pretty, pretty common. You know, I like pumpkin spice. I think it's yummy. Do you, do you eat pumpkin pie? No. Do you eat pumpkin anything? Are you a pumpkin hater? You're a pumpkin hater, aren't you? I'm not a pumpkin hater. I <laughs> love these pumpkin ginger snaps from Sprouts. Okay. But All right. I don't know. I, I'm very much of the mind. I think I had pumpkin pie once when I was a kid. And decided I didn't like it and just never went back. Did it have whipped cream? I don't know. Probably not. Mm. See, a good pumpkin pie shouldn't be very sweet. And then you have to add the whipped cream to add the sweetness. It's like a requirement. Are you just avoiding talking about 
pumpkin spice coffee right now? I can give you some facts. I did look up some things about pumpkin spice in general, both in and out of coffee. And I can't speak for the pumpkin spice that I know you guys are serving at Coffee Cycle. Right. But generally, it's some combination of cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, and cloves. And I'm sure everybody's got their own little spin on how much or how little or maybe extra things. Yep. Um, and this really surprised me. There's the spice company McCormick. Everyone's probably mm-hmm. seen their like little red plastic spice caps in the aisle there at the grocery. They started selling a pumpkin pie spice mix in the 1930s. Wow. So pumpkin spice has been around for the long haul. There you go. That answer is one of, one of your questions that you, uh, you already had the answer to. Um, <laughs> our pumpkin spice does have those four spices in it. Cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, and cloves. Ours also has vanilla in it uh, and organic pumpkin. Real pumpkin. Yeah, we, we use well, we use canned organic pumpkin. So, you know, my understanding is that most canned pumpkin, I, I believe there's some sort of um, U.S. like an FDA or a USDA sort of um, labeling guidance that says that there are a lot of different squashes that are allowed to be labeled pumpkin. Um, and so most of what you buy as pumpkin, if you're not buying an actual pumpkin, is a variety of squashes, very few of which are actual pumpkin. Um, and that's because the, uh, the, uh, the government agency here in the U S has, has determined that the flavor, I guess, is close enough and it helps farmers out to have the biodiversity or whatever it is. Honestly, it tastes great. All kinds of squash tastes great. A lot of them taste a lot like pumpkin. A lot of them taste a lot like each other. I love squash. I eat squash all the time and I really like, like pumpkin spice. I think, I think those, those, first of all, cinnamon. I think cinnamon is probably the thing I, I would like to talk about most when it comes to pumpkin, even though you want to talk about the pumpkin. Um, but I think cinnamon is, is the number one thing that people gravitate toward in pumpkin spice. Cinnamon has become particularly interesting to me in the last couple of years because I learned a bit more about it uh, after starting my shop. I knew one fun fact about cinnamon when I first went into business for myself. And that was that there were good kinds of cinnamon and bad kinds of cinnamon. And that most cinnamon that's sold in the United States is one of the, quote, bad kinds. Not that it's actually bad, but that it is potentially liver toxic. And that was a bit of an oversimplification that I knew. What it is is that there's actually at least three and maybe as many as five different types of cinnamon. I know of three specifically. Um, the one that's most commonly sold in the United States is cassia. And cassia is not the sweetest cinnamon, but it is one of the most affordable ones. So when I opened my shop, I deliberately found a cinnamon that was not cassia because I thought good cinnamon versus bad cinnamon. And so I found what I thought was a better cinnamon. I found Saigon cinnamon, which is the spiciest cinnamon. But both cassia and Saigon cinnamon both have higher levels of coumarin. And if you've ever had a, uh, a relative or, I mean, God forbid, yourself or someone close to you have a, a stroke, coumarin might be something that sounds familiar to you because of the drug coumadin is a, uh, a blood thinner. And coumadin is basically coumarin. And a blood thinner can become liver toxic. And I'm... Definitely more of a coffee expert than anything else. So 
Again, these all might be a bit of oversimplifications. Uh, when I say liver toxic, you know, it's like, uh, I'm not a doctor. You know your audience here, Chris. <laughs> well, if it were just you, you know, I could just <laughs> make something up and tell you. That's true. Yeah. If it were just me, then that would make sense. But everyone else out there listening already knows, you know, most of this, I'm sure. So what I found out was that I had accidentally erred into picking the cinnamon with the highest coumarin content. I avoided cassia because I knew it had something that was potentially liver toxic. And it turns out it was this, this coumarin stuff. And I ended up picking something that wasn't cassia. I picked Saigon cinnamon, which is actually the cinnamon that has the highest content of coumarin. So I, I actually got myself in more trouble than I meant to. And now, obviously, the amounts of cinnamon that I'm putting in drinks is very, very minimal um, and didn't cause any any kind of problems or anything. And, and people eat cassia and Saigon cinnamon all the time. And it's they're all great in different ways. Um, but the cinnamon that we use now is Ceylon cinnamon, um, which is also sometimes called true cinnamon. Um, and I believe it's scientific name is something like cinnamonum verum, which literally translates in Latin to like true cinnamon. And it's the most naturally sweet cinnamon. So there's a lot of um, dieting things out there. That, again, a field that I'm not super, uh, super strong on um, that recommend people adding cinnamon to coffee to help cut down on sugar in coffee because sugar is so commonly added to coffee. And I, I do think that I'm bringing this back to pumpkin now, I promise. I do think that that's where our love of pumpkin spice comes from is, you know, from that desire to cover up bad coffee. That's usually where where sweet additives to coffee come from. You know, if you take coffee and you add any kind of sugar and milk fat, you end up with coffee ice cream and coffee ice cream is delicious. You know, when someone goes to a, a Dunkin' Donuts and they get a coffee with 10 creams, 10 sugars, or five creams, five sugars. It's like, that's coffee ice cream, the, the, the lukewarm version of it, the hot version of it, <clears throat> to me anyway. So obviously in our shop, we try to pair this you know dedication to getting the best and most out of coffee with the stuff that we put in it. That way you can have the best of both worlds. You can have someone who's used to the Dunkin' Donuts or the Starbucks or the AMPM or the 7-Eleven, and they can try it. And they can say, oh, man, I taste all this stuff. And, and maybe in, and often they do like extra of the sweetener that we put in. None of our drinks are super sweet. But to add the sugar, to add the nostalgia and the, the, the fall identity, and then to add and to have part of that be cinnamon, which is something that I think people in general just really love. Cinnamon is just a great thing. It's, 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 it's a tasty thing. And it can be healthy for you. It can be really good. It can be used to reduce sugar. Well, unfortunately, true cinnamon is also known as the sweetest cinnamon, Ceylon cinnamon, and that makes it require less sugar. Other pumpkin spices have the spicier cinnamon or the cassia cinnamon, and therefore you need more sugar to balance that out. And then you get people on this sugar addiction train, and that's that's where this pumpkin spice craze, I think, kind of comes from. But I do think that it has some really cool elements to it. And I really love, I love serving our pumpkin spice. It's funny because people, you said, oh, I know it's your favorite topic. Well, <laughs> you didn't sound like that, actually. I promise you didn't sound like that. I'm sorry. He's got this. That's all part of the show. I'm just trying to make you sound better <laughs> in comparison. I, uh, 
you know, I have a friend who says full judgment, full acceptance. Mm-hmm. Well, I might judge some pumpkin spice drinkers, but I also accept them because, you know, under the right circumstances, I am also one of them. And I'm not, uh, I'm not complaining. You've been very generous every year that, uh, that I've known you, you've given my wife some pumpkin spice to bring home. And that kind of brings me to, I think there's an, another component besides just the cinnamon and the health and the taste aspect, which is it's kind of this psychological indicator that we're going into a new time of year and a time of year that in particular is meant to fill you with kind of with warmth. The holidays are coming, you know, our, our Thanksgiving celebrations are traditionally pumpkin. And I think it's kind of like, okay, we've passed summer, we've passed uh, the beginning of the school year, which whether you have kids or not is still kind of a d- dividing line. And we're now going into this part of the year that is traditionally known for family gatherings and friend gatherings. And there's kind of an emotional component to it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I did, I did start to say nostalgia at one point, but like most of my rants, you know, you need to kind of rein them in and direct them and herd me to the right direction. Uh, I think that's a really important part of it. And you know, it's nice to have something so distinctive to really associate with that. And, and I think it's a, you know, you said family gatherings, I think, you know, going out to get your pumpkin coffee is, is your sort of chosen family, right? You have people you're going out to go have coffee with, go have coffee meetings with these conversations we have at coffee shops, you know, that's a lot of that is, is your chosen family. You know, we live in San Diego and anyone who has visited here or lives here knows that most people that live here did not grow up here. So the people you spend your time with is in a lot of ways, your family, you know, and it's, and it's, letting you know that you're about to go see them. You're about to, or they're going to come see you or whatever it is. And I think that's a really wonderful thing, but the cinnamon thing is cool too. Cinnamon thing is cool too. And I do want to say that I, I think Starbucks gets a lot of credit for pumpkin spice going mainstream, so to speak. They've obviously long been known for uh, very flavorful, sugary concoctions and, and I did read that in like the early 2000s, they kind of put pumpkin spice on their menus like nationwide. And that was definitely like a big transition point. There were already craft cocktails doing it in the 90s and and even before, but mainstream, that's a big thing. And that's a whole nother topic that maybe we can get into on a different show. But I think there's something interesting that's happening over the last few years in coffee, which has already happened a lot with breweries. But the idea of the local craft coffee shop it wasn't that long ago where you kind of only expected that in cities like San Diego or LA or Chicago or New York. But if you have done any traveling over the past few years, which obviously may or may not be true with the pandemic, you can find local craft coffee shops and local craft coffee roasters all over the country in some very small towns or at least medium-sized towns. The one bit of traveling that my wife and I did this year was visiting our families for the, the first time since COVID hit. Um, it had been almost two years since I had driven home to the Midwest. And the one thing that we did along the way, since we weren't really going out or we weren't you know, engaging quite that much, was pick up coffee from a local coffee place. And it didn't matter if I was in Nebraska or Iowa or you know Utah. If I Googled coffee roasters, there was always going to be one somewhere nearby. And... Some of them were better than others, but the idea that there was this craft alternative to the mainstream was in every small town between here and Chicago, which is, you know, quite a ways. That honestly 
fills me with hope and joy. It really does. So I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. And it doesn't surprise me too much because it's, it's, it's crazy how, how quickly they've, they've popped up everywhere and, and how quickly it's growing in major cities like ours, because the coffee scene now is, is a lot bigger than it was. So I think that is enough learning or coffee smart dumbing for the day. Uh, I'm still working on the hashtag there. I want to ask about you. This is our first episode of the new season. You have had some big news at Coffee Cycle. So why don't you tell us what it is? Well, uh, we started our own roasting program, which has kind of been a long time coming in in some ways. You know, I I always tried to serve the best coffee I could find. Um, And I've worked with some roasters that are really, really excellent and are recognized as such on nationally and internationally even. And so that made the idea of starting to roast our own coffee very intimidating because how are we going to just start a program where we're trying to find green coffee from all these other countries all over the world that's really good and then do a good enough job of turning it from green to brown that it tastes close to as good at least as the ones that we've been serving from these award-winning nationally and internationally recognized uh, providers. JVC in Wisconsin is our, our main wholesale supplier. And, you know, it has not been easy to find that same level of quality, but the process is, has been a ton of fun for me. Uh, it's been a really great learning experience. And I'm just super thrilled with everything that we've been doing with it so far. So it's been really exciting. I've been, like I said, just learning a ton, learning about the mechanics of the roaster, learning about the chemical changes that are going on inside coffee beans as you roast them, learning, you know, how to improve my palate constantly to pick out differences and flaws and characteristics and qualities from these different coffees and learning about the logistics of the international trade that brings it from these countries to our door. Because as much as I knew about all of that before, which is to say something, there's so much more to it that I'm learning every single day. And it's super fun, but I'm super proud of what we've been doing. I had an amazing day at the roastery yesterday. We, we roast at a friend's, a friend's shop. Ascento Coffee. Luis, I think, has been a guest of yours before, or is he a guest this season? I forget. Uh, Luis was a guest last season, season two. Yeah, so uh, we're renting out time on Luis's roaster um, at Ascento Coffee. Um, It's a beautiful machine. We have our own sample roaster that we're roasting samples out of, and we had a great day at the roastery yesterday. Roasted a bunch of samples and got every, every batch out of his production roaster. It was just about perfect. And the coffees that we're working with are really excellent. We're really confident of that. We've gotten some great feedback from some uh, some people that I really respect. Uh, the founder of Bird Rock Coffee Roasters was tasting my coffee the other day and he said it was a, a really great job. So uh, Chuck Patton, I don't know if you've met Chuck before, but he's, you know, I, I respect his palate quite a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was a really good day at the roaster. It really feels like we've gotten some good systems down. We also had some experiences that showed us, you know, how much there was to learn. We were roasting some unusual coffees that behaved a little differently in the roaster than anything else we had roasted. 
and then we tasted some of them today and and they tasted great so you know were they were they perfect i don't i don't know i've got to try more and keep learning because that's i, th I think and i think people love to learn and i'm i'm definitely one of those people i i, I love to learn it's it's easy to get a little lazier and stop learning as much um but once you get hooked on learning something new like this it's it's really addictive well you have a you're in an interesting spot because you kind of made your name on coffee excellence on the way you treat coffee and also how much you know about it and the coffees. You were very rigid with the level of quality that you were willing to share in your shop to the point of cutting out certain coffees from different brands when you found out when you felt they weren't quite living up to their own standards at times. So there has to be some fear in taking on this challenge of roasting and presenting it to this audience of consumers who you've spent years teaching. This is what you should expect from coffee. And now you have to be going, I feel like in your head, you got to be going, what an idiot. I should have taught him about bad coffee. <laughs> you, are, you are very correct. Yes. But I've had, I've had your new coffee. You have a Guatemala and a Kenya uh, on your menu right now. Mm -hmm. And I know there's more coming and I I'm just, I'm thrilled about it. I think, it's kind of like uh, you and I talking on this show. I think I bugged you for years to have conversations like this with me on the record. And I think people <laughs> have been bugging you for years to start roasting your own coffee. True. And that, what I've learned about you is you get there. You get there in your own time. That's true. You know? I think everyone who knows me knows that. <laughs> yeah, but that's why you, you are, you're so good at it is because you are doing it in a time that processes well for you and you are taking your time the big difference between us is you will take your time and learn every little detail. And when you mention, say, an imperfection or a thing, 99 and a half out of 100 people won't notice that, but you will. And I'll be like a bull in a china shop going, well, you know, I don't know. This one seems a little off. Let's crank the heat up, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I'll bring everyone along for the ride. That's what I like to do. And you, you present them with the finished product. So I appreciate that. Congratulations on the roasting. And uh, I'm excited to to have a few more chats with you this season. Well, thanks so much. I, I really, I really appreciate all of that. I, I appreciate you letting me talk about, about the roasting. I appreciate you letting me talk about the pumpkin spice. I, I was in the shop this morning and people were asking about it and we just started making it yesterday and we're not officially launching it until like this weekend or tomorrow or something. So it was just cool because, you know, like you were saying about, about, how people look forward to it and it's this sort of gateway time this transition time and i just i like witnessed it this morning and i was just so happy you said that and then to have the opportunity to talk about that and you know what we put into it and, and the level that we go to there um i really just really just appreciate all the chances you give me ryan i'm really appreciate everything you do with this show to allow other people like me to share what they have too and uh, I, it's just a wonderful thing you're doing ryan well, I appreciate that. I'm going to leave you with one little pumpkin story. I used to have a bar in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and every year uh, people would look forward to this very special pumpkin beer, and there wasn't a lot of it. Um, it was very hard to get your hands on even one small amount of it, and I happened to get two barrels, two small barrels of it, but they came early. They came in July. I think it was like July 28th, and they were already in my cooler, and in my head I thought, you know what? I know everyone else is anyone else in the city who has this. I think there was only like eight barrels in the whole city. They're going to save this and they're going to put it out there in September. But I have two. And I went on Twitter and I wrote, you know what? I don't care. Pumpkin season is here. 
And within five minutes, someone came in the door and said, I hear you have pumpkin beer. So the word, <laughs> the word spreads quickly. People love it. And uh, I'm sure they're going to be excited about yours, which I know you guys made from scratch. And uh, my wife has already been asking about it. So I'm sure we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Make sure she gets some. We'll make sure she gets some. <laughs> Okay, to recap, pumpkin spice has been around since the 1930s. Canned pumpkin is probably not really pumpkin, but some other form of squash. There are more than one kind of cinnamon. And your coffee family is a family that you have chosen. Thank you to Chris for showing up for another season to help us get coffee smarter. And a bigger thank you to him for doing it for free. Or at least in exchange for me shouting out coffeecycleroasting.com, where you can order fresh roasted coffee beans for pickup in-store or for delivery. You can even order in bulk for the whole office. I'm really proud and happy that Chris has gotten his roasting program off the ground. I know it has been years in the making. Season 3, Episode 3 will drop next week Tuesday, when I'll introduce you to Dan Romeo. He's the former corporate success story turned coffee roaster and beer brewer behind Traveler Coffee Roasters and One Season Brewing in the Mission Valley, Grand Phillish area neighborhood of San Diego. As always, thank you for sharing this show with your friends, and be sure to support the Roast Industry Legacy Partners. If you are in the San Diego area, you still have time to get tickets to Moster Coffee's Mosterland Experience and Halloween Fest coming up at the end of October. Moster is one of this show's original supporters, and they'll be celebrating their 7th anniversary. If I could only say one thing about them, it would be, Moster does it big. Don't miss it. Also head to RoastWestCoast.com to find links to all of the show's sponsors, including Marea Coffee, Leap Coffee, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Steady State Roasting, Cafe La Terre, Cape Horn Coffee, Coffee Cycle, First Light Whiskey, Fringe Coffee, and Camp Coffee Company in Oceanside. If you've got coffee questions, please hit me up in the DMs on Instagram or Facebook at RoastWestCoast. If you want these shows sent right to your email, along with articles about coffee, photos, and videos and vocab, be sure to sign up for the newsletter. Again, RoastWestCoast.com. That is the podcast for today. I'll leave you with a quote from Douglas Adams, author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. When asked where his inspiration to write comes from, he replied, I tell myself, I can't have another cup of coffee until I've thought of an idea. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through another day. And please, always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. Was the cinnamon thing too much, or was that okay? No, it was great. I I love that I never know what we're going to end up with. (laughs) All right, cool.